This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers. And most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. I'm Dave Butler. Welcome to Gospel Tangents, the best source for Mormon history, science, and theology. First daily Mormon history podcast. I'm Rick Bennett. I'm excited to have Dave Butler on the show. You know, there's a couple of Dave Butlers out there. One's a seminary teacher. Um, this guy is not. <laughs> and so he, uh, we'll learn more about him. He's actually written some science fiction. But his main claim to fame is he's written some amazing books on temple theology in the Book of Mormon. So for those of you who continue to be skeptics about that, whether there's temple theology in the Book of Mormon, Dave is going to uh, show you some things. So you won't want to miss this conversation. Check it out. Welcome to Gospel Tangents. I'm excited to have an amazing writer. Uh, could you go ahead and tell us who you are? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. So uh, this, is the, this is the question where the conventional answer is that I would give you some social proof and say, oh, I have... Uh, given what I think we're going to talk about, I would say, oh, I have a, a PhD or I uh, have a, I teach at BYU or I have a, I'm a career CES instructor. We can tell from your hair you don't teach and, at and, BYU. And, and, yeah, none, and <laughs> none of that is true. I, I don't hold a high calling. I'm elders quorum uh, secretary. In fact, until a year ago, I was I was the uh, physical facilities representative oh, for my wow. work. Or, or actually, Cleve assured me I was the assistant physical facilities oh, wow. representative. So important uh, calling. Yeah. They're all important. They're all important. So but but yeah, so if you're looking for kind of uh warrants for why anyone should take me seriously, I offer none. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm like a guy in your ward that has has an obsession uh with an idea that I think is important um and I won't shut up about it. Um <laughs> So uh, I am a writer. That's that's right. My tell I'm, us your name. My oh, so my name is Dave Butler. And now I remember I talked to Val Larson. Yeah, and he said, "Now he's Dave Butler, but he's not the other Dave Butler." Yeah, I'm not. So people in my ward frequently, every so often, someone will say, "Oh, I saw your book at Deseret Book," and I say, "No, you didn't." And they say, <laughs> yeah, "But I did. It was written with Emily, which actually is my wife's name." And I said, "That's not me, and that's not her." Uh, yeah, there's another guy who is some kind of Mormon spirituality blogger, something, something, and I am not him. Uh, I've seen <laughs> I think pictures he's a of him. Teacher oh, or is something. he? He I might so. be. 
Uh, the funny thing is, um, so this will be my second doppelganger is not the right word, where you have the same name as somebody mm, else. Yeah. So, so Kurt Frankham, Leading Science Podcast, great podcast, by the way, interviewed a guy named Steve Shields, and I interviewed a guy named Steve Shields, and yeah. it's not the same Steve Shields. That's funny. So, And I'm pretty sure he interviewed the other Dave Butler. So, you know, we're the That's pretty funny. Zaro universe or something uh, like that. We're, we're, uh, if, if I'm in it, it is, uh, it is definitely the Bizarro universe, Rick. <laughs> uh, yeah, this has been the, the, the bane of my life. Um, Actually, the first time I said no to a calling, is you're not supposed to do that, right? You're supposed oh, to yeah. like take the calling, say, stake, uh, whatever, second counselor or something called me in and said, uh, we have a calling for you. And I said, what is it? And he said, it's the stake website coordinator or something. And this was 2011. And I said, are you sure? <laughs> and he said, you know, and, and he said, you know, we're, we're sure. And, and I, you know, we, we've, We've prayed about it. And I said, uh, I said, but is this a calling where you have to know something? Because I don't know anything. Right. And, and, and he said, I, I think sort of the reassuring things, you know, like the, the Lord calls you, he will qualify you. I said, yeah, but like, I don't know anything. Like, this seems strange that this <laughs> calling would go to someone who has zero skill. Can you just check if I'm supposed to know something? And he, he looked kind of mad. And, uh, but he agreed he would check. Uh, and the next day, the steak uh, clerk called me and said, turns out there's a second Dave Butler in the steak, and the other guy is a website design professional, and that's <laughs> who they meant to call. So, uh, which I felt relieved, right? Because I felt like, oh, okay, so I wasn't sinning. Like, I'm, like I was, it was okay that I, <laughs> that I was resistant. <laughs> but, but yeah, everywhere I go, there's, there's been other Daves. Uh, I am a writer. Um, I'm principally, most of my audience are, uh, are Gentiles. I write science fiction and fantasy novels. Okay. Uh, some of your audience may recognize me. So I published under, under different names. Um, I have a, a series for young readers under the name Dave Butler with Random House. Uh, for adults, I write under the name DJ Butler. And I've written some pretty Mormon-oriented stuff. I'm unavoidably and sort of intrinsically Mormon. Some of that is in everything I write, but like I wrote, the first novel I published was a, it's called City of the Saints and it's a steampunk adventure romp set in 1859 in the kingdom of Deseret. So like I have some really Mormon stuff. Steampunk? Steampunk, what yeah. What is steampunk? Steampunk is uh, kind of the future as imagined by Jules Verne. So. Oh, wow. If you think about like the the Will Smith version of the Wild Wild West, oh, okay. where you have like, or or even the original Wild Wild West is a kind of a proto steampunk. So it's it's kind of looks like science fiction, feels like fantasy. Everything is big and clanky and jetting steams out. <laughs> it's it's more of an arguably it's an aesthetic and not a genre. But yes, yeah, so I had a, a novel in 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 the Kingdom of Deseret in eighteen fifty nine featuring. Eliza Snow as a counterintelligence agent of the kingdom. So it was, uh, it was good. Um, some, some of your audience may recognize me uh, from that. Um, I, uh, by training, I'm a lawyer. I have been a lawyer, a corporate trainer. I own a company that designs corporate training. I think the reason we're here to talk. Oh, so though, you're a JD. Yeah, I'm a JD. So that's kind of like a PhD in a way. Yeah, I am very fancy. <laughs> I have been to your institutions of higher learning. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but it's not cool to brag about Where a JD. Did you get your JD? Uh, I went to uh, so I got my bachelor's here at BYU. Oh, uh, and uh, went to New York University. 
Oh, wow. So that was a big cultural change because I was basically a Provo boy and I went, I mean, I'd been on a mission and I, I lived elsewhere, but you know, I was from Provo and I went to a place that was considerably more left and gay and Jewish than I'd ever been, you know? <laughs> None of those are a problem for me, but like it was just a, it was new. Yeah, it was a big adventure. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is not where I'm from. <laughs> um, yeah, NYU Law, lived in Brooklyn and, and Manhattan. So uh, I think the reason we're here to talk today, though, is because in 2011, in kind of a white-hot furore, I sat down and wrote two short books to summarize what I had been thinking and teaching about the Book of Mormon for, at that point, several years. Um, so you were a gospel doctrine teacher? No, uh, much better than that. I was, here, I'll tell you the story. So uh, this is in Eagle, Idaho, circa 2007 or something, uh, 2006 maybe, and they just reorganized the elders quorum presidency. And the, the two counselors came to my door. And uh, they said, hey, here's your home teaching assignment. I said, great. And then they kind of hung around still. And I said, what else can I do for you? And they said, um, uh, well, we, we wanted to talk to you about a calling. And I said, okay, I know that you guys just got called. So it's got to be, be elders quorum teacher, yeah? And, uh, and they said, yes. And I said, I will do it. I said, here's the deal. You will never have to remind me. I will always be prepared. And I will never teach out of the manual. <laughs> and they said, uh, will you pick your subject from the manual? I said, no. They said, will you use the manual for inspiration? I said, I will not open the manual. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, let us think about it. <laughs> and uh, so... And it's not going to be like, can you give us this conference talk? <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be, what does Elder J. Humpty Dump Humpty Dumpterson teach about tithing? Not going to be that. <laughs> That is not that is not my jam. So uh, they said, let us think about it. Um, and I think uh, Steve Jones, the elders quorum president, went golfing with his dad and said, what do I do about this? And his dad said, give it a shot. <laughs> you can always release him. That I, happened to me, by the way. Yeah. I was, I was elders quorum teacher for like a month and they were like, yeah. This and they released work. you this. We've had enough. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so I, uh, I basically taught a free range Book of Mormon class. Oh, wow. Uh, for, so like every other, you know, uh, well, back then it was three, the three-hour block, right? So it was, Elders Quorum was every week, so I taught twice a month. And every other week I'd get up and I'd be like, here's this stuff about the Book of Mormon. And sometimes I would teach things that were other people's observation. Um, but I had been uh, convinced for some time that the Book of Mormon is temple literature, and I began using that class as sort of the, the, the standing obligation that pushed me to push my ideas further and further, to do more and more research. And That's very interesting because the person who connected us was, was yeah. Dr. Val Larson. Yep. And so we've been talking to him. Um, and plus I'd interviewed him before. And then Don Bradley yeah. with this whole... Uh, brother of Jared and, and the temple at the veil. Yeah, amazing. Sure. Um, and I've been getting all this pushback, especially on Val. That's like, there's no temple stuff in the Book of Mormon. So this is going to be fantastic to to talk about. There's a ton. 
of temple <laughs> stuff in the Book of Mormon. Um, so uh, I, I developed this stuff as lessons and, uh, and started putting things together. And in 2011, I don't remember, well, so, so maybe the prompt was this, right? In 2010, um, I had been a chief corporate counsel for a billion dollar semiconductor manufacturer and we sold the company. And um, so I didn't get a golden parachute, but I got a kind of a bronze parachute <laughs> and I could do something, do whatever I wanted for a little while. Okay. And uh, I briefly thought I might produce punk records, but then I decided I should be a writer because I had always wanted to. Uh, I fell in love with Tolkien when I was eight and always wanted to be him. The Hobbit guy. Uh, yes. Um, and uh, so I, uh, so that was, that was the beginning, not of my writing. I've been a writer since I was eight. Uh, but, you know, I, I had been convinced I was going to be a writer right until I was a missionary. Then I thought I was going to be an ancient scripture guy. Then I met Emily, decided I wanted to get married. She didn't want to be poor. That seemed reasonable, <laughs> right? So uh, uh, so I said, okay, I won't do either of those things. I'll go to law school, right? Which is kind of like a punt, but a punt in the direction of having an income. Right. And, uh, and so in 2010, I could say, I'm going to take a stab at the writing thing. And so I had, in 2011, been writing for um, a year, uh, and I had picked up my... Um, I picked up my agent by then. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I had picked up my, had my first agent. So I had books out on submission, was writing novels, doing this full time. And I said, you know, I'm writing and I'm writing fast. I'm going to write down these uh, Book of Mormon ideas. Uh, and I did. And um, published them maybe only two months apart. Uh, and they're short. I think they're something like uh, 50,000 words each maybe. Um, and I deliberately, I got, I got beautiful cover art from my friend, Jeffrey Vernon Brimley, uh, painted to my, I, I, I said, please paint this. And he, he painted these sort of strange images Is for me. Wilford Brimley, are they related? Uh, distantly. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wilford's sister, Carol Sheese, actually, before I was published, read one of my novels and gave me a lot of encouragement. So, uh, small world. Wow. Because Wilfred Brimley lives not far from me in Lehigh. Oh, how fun. <laughs> how fun. Um, Never seen him, though. Yeah. Well, I think he passed, right? Didn't That's he right. two years I ago, maybe? I know where his horse barn is. Oh, okay, very nice. Uh, so, uh, back in 2011, I published these two books. Um, and I, I think I might have posted a link or two here or there. But I didn't do anything really to promote them. I got. I love the art that I that I that Jeff painted for me, but I deliberately made the books as homely as possible. Uh, Amazon has a template where you can just slap a cover image in 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 the front on the front only. The rest of the book is a solid brick of color, right? And I did it on purpose because I didn't want the books to appear beautiful from the outside, hmm. which may have been perverse, but that's what I was thinking at the time. That if someone was going to discover it, it's because they were curious about, they had heard from someone, they thought there was something to be learned, and they were going to go find this. So these are all self-published books? These are both self-published. And again, I didn't, I, I didn't try to go anywhere else. Not interested. I just took the, 
Uh, Amazon makes it very easy. Uh, you know, you just need basically Word uh, and um, yeah, Word and a PDF for your cover. Not even that, really. If you have a solid, uh, uh, if you don't care about having an abstract cover, um, printed them. I think I, I posted a couple of places they existed, and and that was kind of it. Um, so I haven't ever really done what you would describe as promotion. I haven't sought to have a publishing career until today. Well, until well, well, okay. So weirdly, like in the last month, uh, a whole list of people have like reached out to me. So you were one of them, and I'm very excited to be here. I was also on the Stick of Joseph two weeks ago. Oh wow. And you guys kind of reached out at the same time and not for the same reasons. Like Val didn't connect me to them. And I'm actually doing a webinar tomorrow. And I got invited to some kind of March event up in Sandy. So it is as if there is some agent out there arranging things for me, uh, appearances for me. Um, only there isn't. Uh, and he's like 12 years late. So, um, yeah, so I... Uh, People have come to the books and the ideas and to me just kind of as they've encountered them. Um, and uh, it, hasn't, it hasn't always been just strict one-to-one uh, kind of context. Oh, there's a lot of that. I will get emails from people who say, I'm a gospel doctrine teacher in Okinawa. You said this about you know John chapter one. What do you think about this? And I'll have like a conversation about it. I, and again, I have no callings. I am not an authority. I do not have a PhD in anything. I'm a guy in your ward. <laughs> uh, so, um, but but there was, for example, a uh, there was a, some folks out in Kansas City said, "Hey, we 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 have we meet and, and talk about stuff, and if we like, you know, uh, if we had you out, would you come talk to us?" And so I went and I recorded a couple of firesides. I mean, I delivered firesides. They got recorded and put up on unindexed, so you can't find them by searching for them. YouTube links. Okay. Um, and uh, Mike Day, uh, who is a CES guy and who was an institute teacher at University of Utah, had me on his Talking Scripture podcast. Um, I want to say it was probably in like October 2021, maybe. Okay. Um. That's probably been sort of like the, in terms of like number of people hearing what I've been saying, that's probably been the biggest to the tune of several tens of thousands of views. Now, you never know. Maybe it's one guy who just got me on loop for two years, you know. Um, so uh, I, I, guess, I guess all that to say, look, I think we're here to talk about ideas that I published in 2011. Uh, that I still talk about, that I that I taught and explored in elders quorums in Idaho, and then later um, in Utah, I got into a very similar situation down here for wow. for four years, um, and that I from time to time kind of you know get in front of an audience uh, and talk about um, and 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 that here's here's the basic idea. All right, so you so so Val has some doubters; they're wrong, and Val is right. Um, <laughs> Let me let me put my uh, let me let me express the idea or the thesis to you. Okay, the Book of Mormon is is written by people who are temple initiates, so they have 
their religion has an exoteric form, has an outside form, this go to church and do things together in public. And it has an inside form where they do things in private. Um, and uh, not everyone is allowed. And uh, they are initiated into the esoteric part of their religion. And they expect that their readers are too. And so they signal often to the reader um, by invoking the imagery and the language of the, of the ordinances that they, the Nephite prophets, know, expecting that we will understand it. And if we see that, we can get a better read on the Book of Mormon and what it's really talking about. Okay. That's the thesis. Well, that's very interesting because until I met Don Bradley, you know, there, there's always been the saying, well, in fact, my friend Steve Pinecker. Sure, I know thou, who he is. Thou took aim at him because he's like, oh, I love the Book of Mormon. There's no Utah theology in it. He's totally wrong. <laughs> and I told... Val, if you keep saying that, you're going to lose all of Steve's evangelical cred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's interesting. So, so, so let's jump ahead to the consequences. When I teach elders quorum, I like to end with a so what discussion. Like, so what? Like, why, why does it matter that we say this stuff? There are a lot of so what's. Um, one so what is that, that even people who are uh, believers... Here, I'll look sincerely into the camera. Even people who are believers tend to think about Joseph Smith's career as, first of all, Joseph, there was this burst of revelation and the Book of Mormon came out, okay? And then later, there was a burst of revelation, and depending on how you see it, maybe it includes uh, Abraham or whatever, but it's the Nauvoo period, and it's the, it's the temple stuff, and there's these two bursts of revelation. But actually, they're not two bursts. They were one. The, the temple is is, is uh, through the Book of Mormon. It's from the chapter one, is steeped in temple stuff. Oh, wow. Verse one, Nephi tells you. First Nephi one. First Nephi one. one, one. I was born of goodly parents. Isn't Having known the goodness and the mysteries of God. Oh. Therefore, I'm writing this book, right? Mysteries um, is a word we have forgotten how to understand. So it's come to mean uh, crime stories. That's obviously not the meaning. Uh, in a very broad sense, uh, Catholics, uh, and boy, Catholics may hear this and say, no, Dave, you are mischaracterizing. Fair enough. But I think that for a Catholic, a mystery is a, is a, point, is a theological point that's unresolvable logically and has to be taken on faith. Well, that's what they say about the Trinity all the time. In fact, Protestants right. would say that. Or it's the Incarnation. Mystery, you know, because I always say, you know, I never understand it. And they're like, that's the beauty of it. Right. It is right. It, so that is that is that is uh, a uh, 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 use of the term mystery. Um, but the original, okay, meaning of the word is Greek. The mysteria are uh, initiatory dramas. They are lengthy ordinances, liturgies. Uh, so the 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 um, the Orphic mysteries or the, uh, you know, uh, mysteries of Eleusis, uh, the mysteries of Demeter, uh, mysteries of Isis. These are lengthy ordinances which had a drama attached to them, which were secret. We don't know for sure what happened in any of them. We, we have some ideas. We have guesses because 
we we read some of the literature that that uh, appears to be poetry or novels, uh, the Homeric hymn to Demeter, for example, or the Golden Ass, okay, about the mystery of uh, mysteries of Isis, and we say, hey, we, some of the things that Apuleius or the or the you know pseudo Homer or whoever wrote the hymn to Demeter. Some of the images they're using uh, seem to suggest that 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 really we're getting a, a little window, a glimpse into these ordinances, okay? These liturgies that are that are uh, that are secret to us. By the way, wonderfully, Irwin Goodenough, I think 1941, published. Oh, what is the title of his book? Um, I'm blanking the title. I will find it. I will find it later. Um, he, he wrote the uh, Jewish symbols in the Greco-Roman age, but he wrote a great book about um, the uh, reading, especially from Philo, arguing that Philo's Judaism was different from rabbinical Judaism. Oh. And then it, and then, and and now Philo is uh, about the time of. I mean, he's, he's like the first century BC, right? He's a He's a philosopher. He's a very educated Jew in Alexandria and Egypt, and we have a whole bunch of his books uh, that are commentaries on um, the Bible, right? The Old Testament. And and good enough said, uh, Philo's Judaism is not necessarily the Judaism we know from the rabbis, and in particular, it seems to uh, have a mystery religion component. And the narrative of Philo's mystery religion seems to be the narrative of the patriarchs and Moses. So somehow implying that somehow people participate in this liturgy by participating in a, a highly symbolic drama where they are enacting things like the sacrifice of Abraham, maybe, or Moses going up on the mountain or crossing of the Red Sea are the things, right? Mm. So, so the idea that this would be a feature of uh, Israelite religion is um, not new to me. You may regard it as crazy, but it is not. It is not. Oh, Dave Butler came up with this thing. Okay, and again, Nephi says uh, one one, right? One one, uh, having known the goodness and the mysteries of God. Now, provocatively, in chapter two, after we hear a little bit about Lehi's career, right? Um, uh, and I may, we may talk about other things that are in First Nephi 1 because that's got other temple stuff going on it. Uh, manifest, open, plainly temple stuff. Um, again, first chapter, all of you naysayers and ankle biters are just wrong. So uh, in, in 2, Nephi says, uh, I wanted to know the mysteries of God. So I prayed and I was visited by the Lord. So this, this is the first and the second uh, appearance of the phrase uh, mysteries, or the, word, or the word mysteries in the Book of Mormon, right? And, and the implication is that the mysteries of God that Nephi knows are, again, a mystery is, a, is an ordinance um, with a mythology, with a sacred drama attached to it, uh, a drama you participate in. Um, but the, the purpose or the object or the, the culmination of the mysteries is meeting the Lord, that these are somehow meeting the Lord is the point of this mystery, right? That's First Nephi 1 and First Nephi 2. Hmm. Um, let me, here, I want to come back to First Nephi 1. We're probably not done with that yet. We, I warned you, Rick, I can talk. Um, That's fine. That's why we have you here. Okay, good. Um, let, me, let me try another window in, okay? Okay. 
Second Nephi 32. I put on my glasses because I'm old. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> Second Nephi 32. So uh, Nephi has been talking for a couple chapters, I think, um, about faith, hope, and charity. Right. About being in the straight and narrow path. About doing the things you have seen Jesus do. And about speaking with the tongues of angels. Okay? Then he comes to verse 4. 2 Nephi 32, 4. Wherefore, now after I have spoken these words, if ye cannot understand them, it will be because ye ask not, neither do ye knock. Wherefore, ye are not brought into the light, but must perish in the dark. Now, let's think about that passage just a little bit. Um, maybe this is metaphorical, right? Maybe it's a metaphor. Maybe what he's saying is, if you don't understand what I'm saying, it's because you haven't, I think the Sunday school answer would be, you haven't prayed, right? You need to pray about it. He doesn't say that, but this, maybe this is a metaphor for prayer. And that's fine. But what's the referent of his metaphor? What is he metaphorizing? I think that's a word. What's he metaphorizing from? Okay. What's the thing he expects his audience to, to know to be able to understand the metaphor? Well, he's expecting the audience to know, some, have some kind of meaning associated with walking through the straight and narrow path, doing the things you saw Jesus doing, speaking with the tongues of angels, asking and knocking then being admitted from darkness into light. At the very least, even if Nephi is using a metaphor, it only makes sense if he expects that the audience re reacts to that combination of things. But I think it's actually beyond that. I don't, think, I don't think it's a metaphor. I think what he's literally saying is, I am speaking to the audience of people who have stood in the straight and narrow passage been following the things they saw Jesus do, speaking with the tons of angels, and they have asked, they have knocked, and they've been admitted from darkness into light. And if, you, if that's been your experience, then you have the wherewithal to be able to understand what I'm saying. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Dave Butler, author of Plain and Precious Things. In our next conversation, we're going to talk more about the vision of Lehi and how it relates to temple theology. Uh, but in any case, it's described as being fiery, right? And it sits upon the rock. So the first vision that Lehi has is he's going forth and he sees a fire upon a rock. And what he's seeing is the throne of God. And to make sure we understand that that's what he saw, he spends a verse going home and then he passes out on a bed and he sees it again. And this time he says, it's the throne. And again, the throne is the Ark of the Covenant, right? This is straight up temple con content. Like, it's obtuse to say that, that there is no temple in the Book of Mormon. You might say Val thinks there's too much. Okay, fine. Dave Butler is an idiot. I can handle it, okay? <laughs> say there's no temple content is clearly silly. Thanks for listening, and I hope you to continue to enjoy Gospel Tangents. Consider becoming a Patreon or go to gospeltangents.com shop and you can get a cool tie, a hat, or even a nice mug. 
you can also get a sweatshirt. So check it out at gospeltangents.com slash shop. They just have the one camera on each of us, right? So this is, I mean, I'm being, if I want to look sincerely into someone's eyes, I look at this Lumix. <laughs> Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.